When we talk about products that hit the mark or don't, it's two things. It's again, understanding what your audience are struggling with and what they feel they need. And two, really positioning a product in a way that people can see that it's the solution for them. And that's not specific to digital products, right? That's really universal when we talk about marketing. Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. Today's guest is someone that I have so much respect for and I believe is such a breath of fresh air in the online service industry. She is a master at digital products and that is what we are going to dive in today with Miss Corinda Gosling. Corinda, if you don't know her, is a self-described word nerd plus marketing sidekick plus digital product mentor who has been helping small businesses for over 10 years to get seen, loved, and to sell through copy content, and compelling marketing, as well as helping them scale their business's income and impact and enjoyment through digital products. From bringing brands to life through standout brand positioning and content to helping small business owners build their end-to-end marketing plans and master them with ease and some serious shortcuts, and then adding standing out, sell out digital offers into their business so that they can make impact and income without the overwhelm or overwork and often in their sleep. She is truly the queen, you guys of making money passively and through really amazing products. Corinda is the support by the side of a small business owner and solopreneurs through it all. I'm so excited for you all to learn from her wisdom and her generosity on today's episode. I know you are going to walk away so excited about the possibilities for your business. Hello, Corinda. Welcome to She Leads First. How are you doing? I'm so good, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. I am too. You and I connected for everybody listening. We connected for the first official time about a week or two ago. But when I got on the call with Krinda, I was like, I feel like I know you already because so many women in my world are connected with you and they love you. And it's just such a testament to your brand. And I'm so excited to get into it today because you matched the description of everybody of what everybody told me about you in all the positive ways. So I'm so excited you're here and that we finally officially connected and that I get to know you now. But for my listeners who may not have met you before, I would love for you to introduce yourself and what you do. What? Who am I and what do I do? That's a big question, isn't it? But I love it. Who am I? So let's go to the nutshell. So my name is Corinda. I live in Australia, if you can't tell from the accent. And I am 
officially a small business sidekick. So I have two sides to my business and my head and my heart. So I have a business called This Is Co, where I help small business owners get seen, loved and selling through, you know, content marketing and copy and compelling branding and all of that amazing stuff. And then I have a business called This Is Corinda. And that's because I built This Is Co over the last few years based on a whole journey to get there. And, you know, humbly, I've built a a really incredible business that I really, really love and that it serves the beautiful people in my world and it serves me. And a lot of people were recognizing that amazing business model and were asking me, how the heck did you do it? And will you help me do that to my business and my niche and my brain too? And so this is Corinda was born. So essentially over there, I help people digitally transform their business and serve in you know smarter ways that can really give to their clients and give back to them as well. And that really revolves around like digital products and digital automation and marketing automation. So that is who I am and what I do. I love it. And you really have built such an incredible business. And you share this online. You've made over a million dollars in digital products in the last three years, which is incredible. And correct me if I'm wrong, many of them are low ticket. That's exactly right. So yeah, I made a million US dollars in the first three years. I think we've kind of quantum leaped past that again. I'm not sure what the exact numbers are, but like it's it's about two point something million in Australian at the moment, which is probably like 1.7, 1.8 US, I would say. So yeah, we did a bit of a quantum leap in the last 12 months as things start to solidify, but you are exactly right. So in the first three years of business, I made a million US dollars just on low ticket digital products alone. So 80% of that would have been products under 50 US dollars. And I think it's also really important to mention because when we start to talk about the low digital realm, there's a little bit of like, you know, ad spend that goes into that. So that was about 80% profitability after my ads. So I think that that's important to remember as well. Because when I say I made a million dollars in, you know, US, a uh, million US dollars from low ticket digital products, people say, yeah, but did you spend like 900,000 US to get there? And I'm like, that's a great right. question. Uh, no, I did. I it spent is. about 200,000 <laughs> US to get there. So yeah, I really love transparency in business. So I wanted to throw that little nugget in. Oh, I love that. And you do such a good job of that online too, of sharing the screenshots, like the proof in the pudding of, hey, this is literally how much I spent on ads and what came in and what the actual revenue is from it without also being so far into the, look how much money I made, look how much money I made, look how much money I made. Because I know some people feel some type of way around that type of marketing too, but yours really just is, no, I'm lifting the curtain. I want you to see that this is possible. It's about like what's what's potential for people, right? Like just actually showing what what this looks like behind the scenes, and that there is ad spend that goes into it as well. But it's not always as crazy when we use smart marketing as sometimes people can think that it would be in the ad realm. So yeah, thank you for saying that. It's something that's really important to me. Absolutely. So for people who might not know, and this might sound like a very basic question, but I've heard it asked before, so it's worth reiterating. What exactly is a digital product? Like what quantifies or qualifies as a digital product? And how did you dive into this world? What was your entrance into creating your first digital product? I love it. So, I mean, the term digital product's pretty big, right? Like it can be anything, but basically it is where we bundle up our knowledge or a solution and we deliver it digitally online. And digital products can be passive or semi-passive, or they can actually be, you know, kind of we've bundled up our knowledge, but we're still like high touch in the background. So there's a bit of a realm of digital products. So the digital products that I 
work in is passive and semi-passive digital products. And so that's where we bundle up bits of our knowledge and we get it selling in a way that once a transaction is made, the person doesn't actually need us any further to make that transformation or get those outcomes in their life and whatever area that we're helping them in. And then there's semi-passive, which might be something that's more like a leveraged offer where we are delivering things and the time that we then need isn't necessarily like trading time for money or it's a group, so it's very highly leveraged. And that, again, would just be bundling up our knowledge and getting it out there. So some of the things that might be passive is normally like a low-ticket digital product, which could be training packs, template packs, ebooks, like the types of things where we can deliver our knowledge to people to help them just with like a small A to B problem in their life, but that's all aspiration in their life, but something that's really prevalent to them. And then when we're talking semi-passive, normally that can look like memberships or like group courses, group programs, things like that. That's really the types of, when I say digital products, that I'm like referring to. Yeah. What was the first one that you created? So the first one that I created was Complete Content 24-7. And I launched that baby in May 2020, smack bang in the middle of COVID, which, you know, when people say it's not the right time for me right now, I really do hear that. But I also believe that there's never a right time in business for a lot of (laughs) things, right? Like there's really bad times. And I'm like, yeah, you should not do this right now. But then I don't believe there's like good times. And so anyway, I launched Smack Bang in the height of COVID. And it took me a couple of months, I think because of COVID and because I was working out this process as well to get some traction with it, because overnight successes take hundreds of overnights, right? And then, you know, come like August, September 2020, we really, well, when I say we, I just mean me and the product, we really got our act together and (laughs) it took off. So that was 26 weeks of like content, kind of prompts and done for you content for people. And then I took that product down a little while later and revamped it to complete content 24 7 2.0. And I made a product version and a service version. And that one's $37. It includes a whole pile of extra stuff. And that's still out running now. Like three and a half years later because you know when you find a problem that people have it you know can it gets legs for some you know quite a period of time so these are really evergreen models I try and teach people to create as well. I love that. When you got started, I know you said it was right in the middle of COVID, which truly like 2020, yep, you were smacked out yeah. and dab in the <laughs> middle of that there. <laughs> but when you got started, were you already, did you already have this business that you have now or was that your start into entrepreneurship as well? So this is co-officially started in January 2020, but it wasn't my leap into entrepreneurship. So I opened my first business about 10 years ago now, and it was called Cans Writing Solutions. And oh, oh my gosh, it's been quite the journey, right? So I was working <laughs> in corporate government at that time, pretty high up in executive leadership and policy writing and, you know, people management. And like, I liked the job, but there was no like, real passion in it for me. And so I started this little like side hustle. My One of my, you know, big managers said to me, like I was writing a policy document one time. He's like, you're a great creative writer. Like we've got to pull you back. And I'm like, what? I'm a great creative writer. And so anyway, I ended up going and doing some advanced deployments in marketing and advertising. And I was like, I'm going to start a side hustle. And so I started creative writing and it just like, I loved it. It was a true side hustle, but some people that I was side hustling for who owned branding agency ended up asking me if I wanted to come and be their communications manager. And I was like, 
you know what? I think I do. So I actually left corporate, jumped into branding and advertising, and then I continued to have my own small businesses on the side, but I could no longer do them in like, you know, marketing and advertising because I had a non-compete, which was absolutely fine. So I dabbled in some other Mm -hmm. passion projects, kept being an entrepreneur in different spaces and then kept working my corporate career in marketing, advertising and communication. So I spent another, you know, lots of years working through that space, corporate communications and ended up getting, you know, like headhunted by a different job and Anyway, worked my way up to chief communications officer while having these other little side hustles, got right to the top, you know, chief comms officer is pretty much as high as you can go in my field in corporate in 2019. And I realized, wow, like I've never been happier than I was when I had like cans writing solutions and when I was helping small business owners. And I really made that recognition that like that's where my passion is. And I went and tried to work back in somebody else's business to try and like fulfill that side of me. But it just wasn't there still I wanted that entrepreneurship as well and then anyway when we manifest these things right the world delivered and my partner then at the time was in the defense force and got moved to literally the middle of Australia in the outback in a town of like 10,000 people and I was like this is the universe telling me I need to do it so I quit the small business that I was working in I quit my corporate career and I started This Is Co in the start of 2020. I left that in 2019, moved across the country in December and then kicked that off in 2020. And so I opened my business doing packages for people. So doing copywriting, doing branding, doing brand strategy, doing retainers, doing like high level consulting. And then it was a few months into 2020 and I realized really quickly, oh my gosh, I've built myself a golden cage. Like there was a lot of things about corporate that I wanted to escape from like that constant hustle and the trading time for money and the this and the that. And right. I literally just rebuilt that under the name of entrepreneurship. And I was like, this isn't right. Like I have to make a change quick smart. And so I had seen digital products out in the world just as both a consumer and, you know, working in the different agencies, we'd help people with digital products. And I was like, I need to do this. Like I need to focus on working smarter, not harder. I need some form of passive revenue. And at that time I was like, if this thing brings in like $200, $300 a week, like I am happy, right? Like that's a few less hours I can work that I can take back to myself. The rest is history and it didn't bring in just $200 or $300 a week. It brought in a lot, (laughs) lot more than that. And it replaced like the entire kind of like, you know, done for you services um, of my business but that's essentially how it started I just recognized like I don't want to rebuild corporate under the disguise of entrepreneur I don't want to trade time for mm-hmm. money and also one of the other things was my value when I started this is co is that I wanted to be accessible I wanted to serve small businesses in their first few years really wanting to get off the ground and to make the income that I wanted to make that I had been making in a very high-flying corporate career was going to be impossible to live up to my values of really accessible pricing but to also out earn my corporate career. The numbers just did not add up. And so from that really like strategic business building side of myself, I was like, all right, we got to do this. And so that really all came together to be like digital products is the answer to kind of everything I want to do. And I just jumped right in. Mm, So you've really been in this for a long time. This wasn't (laughs) like a one day snap decision. I love that you said earlier too, like an overnight success isn't just one night. It's many overnights that get you to that overnight success. There's a post I put up sometimes on this is co it's a little bit clickbaity and it actually says like, I'm an overnight success 
it just took me 3,000 overnights to crack the code. <laughs> and it's because it's true, right? Like, you know, we see people maybe pop up online and they can get some great success quite quickly. But, you know, what we don't see is the years cultivating that skills or the failed businesses before that or the accounts that they deleted and started again. Like, we really need to look behind the curtain when it comes to entrepreneurship and kind of, you know, reassess our own perspectives on things because I sometimes think that we're our own worst enemy with the things that we kind of presume like oh she got there so fast like no she didn't (laughs) and like it's okay for your journey to take time so I always really like to share that oh I completely agree and because you just miss all of the backstory when you see people online you just see what's right in front of you but there's always a backstory there and that leads me to what I wanted to ask you next your thoughts on because I think a lot of times when we see someone like yourself who's built a really incredible business model we want to jump right into theirs like we want to say okay well I just want to emulate exactly what she did I want to skip all the other stuff and I just want to go right there but it's even interesting to hear how you had this background where you got started doing more of a done-for-you services. You didn't stay there. You realized it wasn't where you wanted to stay. But do you think having that experience led to you being able to create stronger digital products versus if you had just jumped right into them? Yeah. So I always say that the strength of our business is directly correlated to our understanding of our ideal customers and clients. Without that, our businesses, our value ladders, our offers truly have weak links in them or sometimes unfortunately are set up to fail. And so the work that I had done in my business and, you know, working with my ideal clients in other businesses directly led to my ability to be able to then, you know, make these digital products that are really like no-brainers for people and not only no-brainers from a selling sense, but that actually truly solve their pain points and desires within the product because I knew my clients, I knew what they needed, I knew where their objections were, I knew where their struggles were, I knew what they wanted and I knew what they needed and we combined that into a product. And so I don't always believe that people need to have established businesses or big audiences to create digital products. In fact, it is actually a system that would work for someone that has no audience or is new in their business shell because we use paid advertising a lot of the time to get it out there, but it doesn't work for people who don't know their craft or don't know their ideal audience. And so that Mm -hmm. work needs to be done. And I'm a big believer that one of the ways people can know their craft and know their ideal audience is by doing services is by trading time for money is by doing one-to-one there's nothing wrong with that and Emily you know we met because we did a one-to-one together it's actually still something Mm -hmm. I do in my business because not only do I love it but it keeps me sharp it keeps my finger on the pulse like it's important as well but the the thing is now it's flipped it's what I do 10% of my time for 10% of my income rather than, you know, 90% for 90%. And so that's the difference. I do it because I want to and I love it, not because that's what is essentially, you know, the foundation of my business. Yeah. And it is so different when you're doing it for the smaller portion of the time and because you want to versus it's the only way and you're trapped continuing to make your income that way. I kind of giggled when you said, oh, I built a golden prison for myself because I found myself in the first couple months of my business like, oh, shoot, I rebuilt everything I didn't like in the structures I used to work in in this business. (laughs) 
I almost feel like it's a little bit of a rite of passage, right? Yeah, exactly. I think we all have to have that aha moment. Like we're like, oh, hang on. Yes. I've left the nine to five to work 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. seven days a week, like, you know, trapped to my mm-hmm. computer just in my small home office now. Like, you know, like, you know, uh-huh. and then you have that aha moment where you're like, okay, entrepreneur hat on. Like what can this yeah, look let's, like? Let's do it different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this conversation though, and peeling back the curtain of how important it is to understand your ideal client and understand yourself and your services as well and what your zone of genius is, is so important, not just in digital products, but in building your business in general. And sometimes that does require doing the non-scalable things first, which I think people don't want to hear sometimes because they get into the online space and they're like, why? I just want to scale right away and I never want to hop on a call and I never want to talk to a person. And I feel like it's almost unintentionally sold sometimes online of like, yes, everyone can do that. But like you said, it's not that you have to start with one-on-one if you already do know that your ideas are qualified and you already know how to serve your people. But if you're still kind of figuring it out, you probably do have to start in some of these more scalable things before we can move down to the truly digital and scalable passive income style products. So I'm glad that we're opening this conversation up. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. It's so important. It is. You said you were hoping to make an additional 200 to 300 per week from that first digital product of yours. Do you mind sharing how long it took to get to that point? Did it start right away it took off or did it take a little bit of growing and tweaking and refining? Yeah, so the first week that I did digital products, I've got the exact numbers somewhere, but I'll I'll just riff and I'll apologize in advance if these are incorrect somewhat to what I actually teach and share other places. Um, But I think I lost about 50 US dollars. So like, let's say for argument's sake, like I put $250 in ads, I think I made like $200 back. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I think the next week I made like $10. And I was like, oh my God, like I made passive income. And I was so excited for this like product to be out in the world. And then I kept optimizing and refining because passive income is not passive at the start. Like I need everyone to hear Mm. that. Like it (laughs) takes time to get these systems running. And then I didn't know what I was doing. Like I want to be completely honest with you. Like I had no real idea. I went and did an ads course from an amazing third party here in Australia, which just added to the knowledge that I'd had strategizing ads in my corporate career, but I'd never actually like physically run them in the system. So that was like all new to me. You know, it takes a long time to figure out, not a long time, but a while to figure out our right messaging. Like, you know, you're the messaging queen, Emily, you would know, like that messaging that really hits the spot for people. It can take some playing around, even if you've done research and all of those things. And so optimizing that sales page, But about two months in, I would say I started having that like 200, 300, 800, like probably like three figure like profit weeks in the business. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And then like (laughs) nowadays, like, you know, I just kept scaling this and then this, this digital product low ticket funnel type structure is actually very replicatable. So once I had complete content 24-7 up and I had was actually making a couple of thousand dollars a week at that time from it, I was like, maybe I could make another one. And I did and I duplicated it and I made an email product and that brings in a couple of thousand dollars a week. And now basically I bring in anywhere between like seven to fifteen thousand dollars a week in like low ticket digital products. So yeah, the the idea of $200 to $300 got blown out of the water. (laughs) 
It's amazing. It's really crazy to think about from these low cost, under $50 products, bringing in that much passively. But you have this. So first off, you have an amazing course, DP2P, Digital Product to Profit. I love it. I have it. I'm amazed by it and how much you overserve in it. But through it, you, you teach this model where you have the initial product, but then there is a, correct me if I'm wrong, order bump on top of it. And then a one-time offer that you sell into. So it's almost like this three offers in one type of deal. Exactly. So I think most most of my um, offers are about a hundred US dollars in total for three pieces. A lot of people just buy one. Some people buy two. Some people buy three. So the profitability like varies from each person to person. But yeah, that's exactly right. When did that get introduced to your model? Did you start with that whole three-piece system or is it something that you figured out as you went and pieced together and added in? I figured that out as I went. So even when I put this first product in, I always kind of knew in this system or this strategy because I didn't invent self-liquidating offers, right? Like these have been around for a long time. I just made it in a particular way and the way that I approach products and the types of copy and content that I write around them, like that's particular to me. But I kind of knew these funnels with like order bumps and upsells and downsells already existed, but I wanted to do it in a really non-bro marketing way because like Mm -hmm. bro marketing and I just aren't mates. And so (laughs) I was a little bit hesitant at first, to be honest with you, like I put this product out there and it was self-liquidating plus a little bit of profit. So what self-liquidating means is it paid for my marketing spend. So it covered costs and then it still made a little bit of profit. And then I could understand that even when my conversion rates were really, really great and this product was $26 and I was still making a little bit of profit, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. People were also asking me for more solutions like, oh my God, I wish I could also get off you this. Or like, oh my God, my social media is killing it now. I, I wish like people were converting when they got to my website or I wish I had this for like a holiday or a launch or whatever. I was listening to what people were saying. I was like, okay, people are asking me for more stuff and it's a smart strategy to offer more stuff. So I ended up building out the funnel probably not to like, oh, nine months or a year later. And that's also when that extra profitability started to kick in. That's awesome. I think I read in a Russell Brunson book, I think that's where I got this quote from. I could be wrong, but he said something along the lines of, if you keep delivering value to people, they will keep purchasing from you. It's once the value stops that they're not going to want to buy again. And I feel like that plays into this type of model so beautifully. And I love that people were already asking you for more. Yes. You know that you're doing a good job. (laughs) I want to shift over into talking a little bit more about ads because I know that that's a big part of the strategy and what you teach. But I also know that ads get a little bit of a bad rep in the online space sometimes. I would love to hear what your, I suppose, overarching thoughts are on ads and why do you think that they have sort of a negative connotation associated to them? Is it with this bro marketing that you mentioned? What are your thoughts overall on ads? Such an interesting question. I've worked with so many beautiful clients and like, I think I've got some over on my This Is Corinda page of like people being like, I hated the thought of ads and now I'm in love with them because Mm -hmm. they're bringing the most amazing people into my world and profit and this and that. Like it's just every second person and I get it. And so I want to start with my mindset around ads and the mindset that I try and teach people is that ads are just traffic. Like that's what we have to think of ads as. They are just traffic. So yes, it's like a little bit 
complicated traffic, right, in a way that we have to like learn to use the ads platform and that we have to, you know, create different types of creative on there because the algorithm that runs ads likes to test different things and we've got to figure out what it likes, what our audience likes, just like trying to figure out the organic algorithm, right? We have to also try Mm -hmm. and figure out this paid algorithm in a way. But the way we have to think about ads is they are just traffic. Basically, we're just getting information out into the world into who we believe might be our ideal customer and trying to drive them somewhere in our business. And so what we see and why ads go wrong for a lot of people is they think ads themselves are some kind of like magic vehicle to sales, but they're not. They're a magic vehicle to traffic. But if you're getting the wrong message in front of people, if you're getting in front of the wrong people, or if you're sending them places that won't convert, ads are never going to work for you. And unfortunately, a lot of people who run paid traffic, aka ads, are running it with poor messaging, poor understanding of their ideal audience and poor offers out the other side. And the first thing that they want to blame with love, because I'm sure I've blamed things when it wasn't their fault before as well, was ads. They go, bloody ads didn't work. And I'm like looking at their business. I'm like, you were sending the like half-hearted message to a leaky landing page. Like, what did you want better to do? Like, they did their best. They sent people there like, come on, like, let's fix this up and let's run traffic again. So like, that's the first thing and that's one of the reasons that ads have a really bad name is that people are slandering their name when they might not have deserved it. There is a second side of meta ads where they are used poorly by poor people. And that is that mm. pro-marketing side of things where people have sold them. People have been sold dodgy products via ads or, you know, have been spammed via ads or the ads have just been like just really like poor messaging that's like used like fear-based marketing or things like that, which I absolutely despise. And that's been like, oh, ads are terrible, like bad people use ads. And then the other thing, let's be real, is that whether we're using paid or organic Meta's a bit weird when it comes to our data. And so, like, I think there's also that whole thing that people, like, you know, have negative connotations against Meta. So bring all of that together and it's like ads have a bit of a bad name. And then there's some weird myths that float around the marketing world as well that, like, if you use ads, you'll lose your organic reach. Meta will want you to keep paying for ads. Like, that's just absolutely a myth. And that kind of stuff also then adds to the, oh, my God, I'm never going over there. And, like, here's me, like, you know, trying to beg people to just understand that ads are just Mm -hmm. traffic. It's just smart marketing. It's a way that you can scale your business but not just scale even if you're not looking for this scalability it's actually a way you can just take back control of your business like I build a business that never needs to worry about what the algorithm is doing don't get me wrong organic marketing brings in a huge portion of my income outside my digital products because I have a value ladder where I'm selling memberships and courses and coaching and I do that all organically. I do not run ads for those things. But what the ads do do is automate this portion of my business where I know every day I'm waking up to sales or visibility or traffic or new followers that have seen me via the ads and came and followed. It is just smart business. Mm, I like that you put it that way. I'm curious, are you able to see in your metrics or do you know the portion of your digital product sales that come from meta ads versus organic leads on your page? 
I absolutely can. So I can break that down via Google Analytics and it actually always changes. So I basically know with Meta for every dollar that I put in, I get two to five dollars back. And that fluctuates a little bit. But I know if I'm putting in two thousand dollars in ads that week, I'm going to get anywhere from four thousand to like ten thousand dollars back, essentially. And it's normally a little bit like probably averaging like two point seven to maybe three. Like it kind of sits in that middle ground there. So that's actually I wouldn't ever say that it's stable because just like everything, consumer trends, the environment, the economy, that all fluctuates. And so does like people seeing the ads, clicking off and then buying my product, but it's more stable. Then I have organic marketing. So I sell these via email marketing. I sell these on my social media, in my stories, on my posts, they're linked in my bio. And I do get sales via that, but it is like feast or famine, if you will. Like it absolutely depends on did I get virality this week on my reels or did I really remember to speak about this every day or every second day? And if I take my foot off the pulse with that, then I'm not getting that traffic to the products organically and they're not selling at the higher rate. So I do sell both ways but and helps me see the different mm. like feast or famine cycles that can happen between organic and paid, which is why I recommend people use both. So at This Is Co, I teach marketing and I have a method called Base Build Boost. Base is where we build our brand and our organic selling ability. Build is where we build out our business, like our website, our you know email list, serving and selling to understanding how to get more organic traffic. But then once you've got that and that's in place, I teach everyone ads because even if you're not in the digital product business, every business can be taking control with paid marketing. So this isn't just a digital product thing. Like if anyone's listening to this, like ads are pretty much universal. Like you can be automating some form of traffic in your business to give you back your time and to also help like stabilize and take control of some of your results, no matter what the freaking algorithm wants to do that week, or no matter what you're wanting to put out organically. Yeah. I like that you teach it to everybody. I feel like so many people truly are just a little bit afraid of it because the idea of spending money to make money is a little bit scary. You're putting money Mm -hmm. on the line first. I'm curious if there is a sort of natural progression or timeline that you see when people start spending money on ads. On average, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but how long it takes for you to sort of figure them out and for them to become profitable? Yeah. So I think most people need to have like organic sales coming through their business first. And it's definitely what I recommend. So depending on whether you're giving your business 10 hours a week or two hours a week or 30 hours a week, like the time where you get to organic sales and really have validated this kind of like brand that you have and offer that you have and however you sell it, it can be a little bit different for everyone. And, but normally we probably see it within the first like six months to maybe like two years of business. People start to realize like, I need to use ads now. And then how long it can take to figure them out? It can be so quick. Like I've literally just opened my phone to a DM this morning to a person. She did the ads course a few weeks ago within my membership. She got some clarity, some stuff in our group. And then she just sent me a screenshot that said, oh my gosh, I've just made my first like sale through ads and is just like absolutely celebrating. I'm like, it's just the beginning. So it can be quite quick. But again, if someone jumps into ads without having their messaging validated, without understanding their ideal audience, without having like an, uh, a proven sales process, no matter what that is, right? Like you can run ads to lead magnets, but do your lead magnets convert? Do they have an email sequence or do they go onto your email list? And are you able to sell via email or do they go to a 
webinar and does that convert? Or do you send people to your social media and does your social media get them to the sales call? Like that has to be proven before we're running more traffic to these places. And a lot of people don't do that. And then it adds a hellish for them because they're trying to figure everything out at once. They're trying to figure not only the ads, but this sales process, which I'll use the word funnel, this funnel as well at the same time. So funnel doesn't necessarily mean all this tech tied together. A funnel can be someone comes to my social media, they watch my stories, I give them a link to a sales call, they come on the sales call, I make the sale. So I call that a funnel as well. So you have to have Mm -hmm. your funnel working before you drive more traffic to the start of it. Otherwise, it's a nightmare and it can really blow out the time it takes you to master ads. Yeah, I think that's something that so many people don't realize. Unfortunately, these conversations help, but until they've tried it and it maybe didn't work is ads are not a magic solution. You have they have to be part of a strategy. It's not just pay and suddenly you have business. It's where exactly you said it's traffic. That's exactly it. When where are you moving that traffic in your business? Do you have a flow of when someone finds you, how do they become a customer? I think people dive into them maybe too early sometimes before they actually know how to sell. And then it's like, well, why isn't this working? It's like, well, it's not the ad's fault. It's it's your fault. You didn't figure it out in your business yet. <laughs> I love you, but I need to give you some bad news here and that it's you. And let's fix that because that's what we're here to help women do, right? Like we're here to help them like get where they want to be. But we also along that journey need to recognize like, you know, there is kind of that like radical responsibility where we're like, yeah. okay, this could have been me. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's just so interesting, the whole conversation of ads online and how harsh of feelings some people have about them. I came from a background where I worked for companies that ran ads for personal brands. And so I thought it was so normal and so normalized. And then I got it and started my business online and people were like, you don't need ads. And I was like, oh, are we anti-ads now? Like, okay, (laughs) what is ads? (laughs) That's it. And it's the anti-ads that I never understand, unless it's from an ethical point of view. I think that we can be pro-organic. Don't get me wrong. Like mm-hmm. I teach and preach and use organic as absolutely the first thing that you should be doing in your business. And everyone should be optimizing organic because why the hell wouldn't you want free marketing and advertising? But then I'm not anti-ads, right? Like I'm pro-both. So I believe people can be pro-organic, but when I see anti-ads, unless it's for a reason like ethics or something like that, which I can understand that everyone has, you know, they're entitled to those, um, you know, ethical obligations and things like that. I just don't see the point in it. Like it is just a different way to do business. Right. And you don't have to do business that way if it really doesn't align, but it is a viable option. And I'm glad that we're talking about so more people can step into it. I feel like overall with marketing though, and this comes down to what we keep saying is it's all about the intention of the person who's doing the strategies. It's all about their intentions on whether or not the person on the receiving end has a good experience. And so I think any form of marketing can quote unquote go wrong if the person behind it isn't moving in maybe their highest integrity because unfortunately persuasion can be a positive thing or it can be a negative thing. And that's really all marketing is when it boils down to it, right? So I always like to offer people that as well of don't get mad at the particular methodology because it's really not the methodology. It's the intentions that went behind the messaging. Yeah. That's exactly right. You have nailed it. And men do try and crack down on this stuff, but they don't always get it right. Like that is a downfall. And they always don't get it right when they take people's stuff that wasn't integrity down. And so, you know, they do try and have checks and balances, but that also kind of adds to, I guess, the ads complicated landscape. Yeah. Okay. 
So for people who are listening and they're getting excited about digital products, I'm curious to hear from you, and I'm sure you've seen just tons and tons and tons of different styles and versions of digital products now having run your course. And I know you have your membership and your mastermind where you get to work with people on their products. What do you see that all of the products that do really well, like the ones that hit it out of the park, what do they have in common? And maybe what are some of the differences between products that do really well and products that don't out of the gate? I love that. So the stuff that does really well and that I love to see is stuff that clearly solves a pain point or a desire that the person on the other side is really aware that they have and also almost provides them with a product that they're a little bit solution aware about. So, you know, when we're in marketing and we start to actually look at consumer psychology, we talk about problem aware and solution aware customers. We don't want to be putting things out there for what doesn't work where people are problem unaware or solution unaware in many ways. And so what that means is that I do omni-channel marketing, right? And one of the big things that I do for people is brand strategy and voice and vibe and values and understanding how to create that like she's the one for me. But unfortunately, a lot of people actually don't understand that's their problem. When people get into small business, they're sitting there going, oh, the problem is that I'm not showing up on social media enough. The problem is that I don't know what to write. The problem is this and that. And don't get me wrong, that is a genuine problem that a lot of people have. Whether you have a brand or not, you still have to get it out there. So rather than Mm -hmm. going to market with a product that spoke about how to build your brand values because that wasn't something everyone was problem and solution aware of. I was like, hey, here's how to get seen, loved and selling on social media. And then within that, I talk about put your brand values in here, talk about this, add your voice here. So I'm educating people within the product about what they need to be doing, which ethically and in integrity does that part where I know what people need, but they've got Mm -hmm. what they want at the same time for that thing that's very problem aware. So That's really important that we understand what our customers are saying and what they recognize that they need. So I always say, like, what are they on the floor? What situations are they sitting on the floor at 11 o'clock at night eating ice cream out of a bucket and going like, oh, my God, today was so hard because or I'm not feeling my best because or I really wish I'm daydreaming about this. What are those things that are going on in their head and heart? And for me, for my products, it was always like I wasn't consistent on social media. I don't know what to say. I didn't post again today. I'm ghosting my email list. Like people really recognize and have this need. So I went down that path. But for other people, it's different things. And you've got to understand that about your audience. And then once we understand what they are thinking about top of mind, What do they believe they need to fix that? Because we want to represent some of that in our product if it's in integrity. So when I was like, okay, so you're struggling with social media, what parts? And they're like, the captions or and the graphics or and this and that. I'm like, no worries, I can fix that for you. But in the product, I'm also going to make sure that you have a killer five pillar signature strategy so your content is strategic for a business owner i'm going to make sure in there that we're talking about your brand values your vibe your this your that i'm going to be prompting you to understand the benefits that your products bring not just the features so we can actually start to like build out these amazing products that give people what they need not just what they want and if we have time i'll go into this little like analogy that i use it's the spiffy spines analogy and so basically there's two service providers sitting there both of them are like you know occupational therapists they go into workplaces and they fix people up and they're like no I want to stop trading time for money I'm going to do this a different way this is something that I could provide you know digitally so one of them both of them understand that the problems that women are having in the office 
that cause them headaches are their spines. So their, you know, beautiful ideal customers are sitting there at night going, I'm so sick of these headaches I'm getting from work. Like these headaches are killing me. I can't play with the kids. I can't interact with my partner. I don't want to cook dinner. I don't want to eat dinner. Like, you know, they're having these huge problems and they both go, amazing, I'm going to solve this. And the thing that these beautiful women in offices are saying is, you know, this would be so much easier if I could just figure out how to stop getting headaches, right? If my headaches would go away, that's the literal words that they are saying. So off these osteo, you know, off these uh, occupational therapists go and they both create these amazing programs that teach these women exercises, how to adjust their desk so their spine is right, you know, how to stand up and stretch during the day, the 10 exercises they need to do, you know, different ways to do this, do that. And it all revolves around their spine. But when they take it to market, you know, OTA goes out and they call their product Overcoming Office Headaches. And they speak on the sales page about how office headaches can really get you down. But the thing is that most people don't understand is they're caused by the way they're sitting and their posture at work and that hits the spine in a different way and we're going to show you 10 activities that you can do every day to get rid of your headaches and then OTB goes out and they're like hey here's my product it's called spiffy spines and I'm going to teach you how to realign your spine in the workplace through 10 exercises and same product same problem same IC which one do you think is going to sell right it's going to be OTA that sells because they've actually understood what their audience think they need, what their solution was, what the pain point is that they're having, and they've really positioned a product this way to help people see this is for you, and they teach in integrity the spinal stuff in there that's going to get results. And OTB, unfortunately, is probably not going to hit the mark unless that person was already incredibly aware in their world of the fact that it was their spine. They've really gone into, like, their zone of genius too far instead of understanding what their ideal client wants. So when we talk about products that hit the mark or don't, it's two things. It's, again, understanding what your audience are struggling with and what they feel they need. And two, really positioning a product in a way that people can see that it's the solution for them. And that's not specific to digital products, right? That's really universal when we talk about marketing. I was just going to say that, that we are just teaching good marketing here right now. (laughs) But every single digital product that I've seen has flopped. And there's been a misalignment in understanding their audience or positioning it in a way that their audience want to see. And the ones that I see take off are the ones that really understand their audience and position it in the way that can help their audience be like, no brainer, this is exactly what I need. And there's amazing digital products out there in you know, both in business and in B2C, like some of my favorites, one of the ones, and I hope I don't say her name wrong, but it's Amanda Genther or Amanda Gunther. And I think she's moved on from the low ticket realm now as business has evolved and she does some amazing stuff in mm-hmm. Kajabi templates. But she had one which was like sales page in a day. And I was like, that's the best product ever. Then there's another product out there and I wish I'd grabbed the name of it before this podcast, but it's B2C. And I think the product is called like Frump Fighters or something like that. And it actually teaches women how to to work with what they've got in their wardrobe so that getting dressed Mm. in the morning is really easy. Like freaking amazing, right? And it comes out with like, do you feel like you never have clothes to wear? Are you always struggling with outfits with this or that? And I'm like, that's the coolest. And I listened to a podcast on this beautiful human and I know that she's very successful with this, right? There's another one that teaches people how to do the splits. Like you would not believe it, but that is a hugely successful digital product. And I watched the agency that look after that digital product talk at a conference I was at and they're killing it in that space, like killing it. Like this is just, it can work for so many people as long as you understand your customer and how to speak to them. 
I think that's such a beautiful example too, that you don't need to pack your entire lifetime of expertise into your digital product. It can be so simple as here's how you do the splits. And And that will probably be better. Yeah. (laughs) You should (laughs) At least what I wanted to ask you. you. (laughs) You have this beautiful analogy in DP2P that I would love for you to explain here as we start to wrap up because I think it's such a good way to think of, well, what goes in these low-cost digital products? And you call it, think about, I believe, the drink of water or the glass of water for your ideal client. Can you walk us through that? Exactly right. So this is an, I love analogies, right? And I always think they do help. So the glass of water comes from this analogy that in our businesses, we like, let's say that we are this like biomechanical expert, right? And we understand like the causes of like dehydration and, you know, electrolytes and all of this down to like this awesome level. And we can really help people to understand this too, so that they understand like what to fuel their bodies with, when and how to like keep them firing. And what too many people do is they try to go to market with the cure for dehydration for a thirsty person instead of going to the market with a glass of water. So I always say to people, imagine your ideal client is on the floor and they're like, I'm thirsty. That's what they can recognize. Their mouth is dry, their throat is burning, they have a headache, they're craving water. And you sit down next to them and you say, here, here's a glass of water. So you're chipping off just one part of your knowledge that a glass of water would help them and you're packaging it up. What somebody else tries to do is they try and sit down and they say, hey, here's the cure for dehydration. Like I've written you this entire handbook about the cellular this and osmosis this and how cells work and why you're dehydrated and how much water you need a day and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's your value ladder. That's your entire business. But what people recognize right now is that they're thirsty. So we want to snap off something and give them that glass of water. Then as they're drinking that glass of water, we basically want to say to them, hey, how are you feeling now? Like, is your mouth less dry? Is your throat no longer burning? Is that headache going away? Do you feel your thirst is quenched? That's amazing. I'm glad I could give you this solution that you needed right now. They needed that glass of water. But did you know you're feeling this way because you've got something called dehydration? And then we start to walk people through our value ladder of our business. So, hey, like, did you know carrying a water bottle around every day and drinking this much water would help you? Great. Now we take it to the next level. Hey, are you interested in understanding exactly how to fuel your body further in different ways? What minerals you need as well as that water bottle and how much water? And they're like, amazing. I would love that. And then it's like, great. Now you understand what minerals. Do you want to understand nutrition as a whole to be your best you? Like we're walking these people up this value ladder. And so when we're talking digital products, we want to find what that glass of water is. So to put it in another perspective, I'm an omni-channel marketer who understands end-to-end organic and paid on multiple channels and branding. But if I was trying to sell that to a small business owner, they're going to be like, what the hell? So I'm like, hey, do you want help with your emails? Do you want help with your social media? That's the glass of water that I've kind of snapped off. Then I bring them into my world and I'm like, hey, did you know that social media is really important, but you also need these other things? Then they come into my content mastery club, which helps them with those things. So we can see how digital products should just be these small, important, ethical, in integrity, micro solutions to something someone's having, a problem they're having or an aspiration they're having at the very beginning of their journey. And then we use marketing going throughout to move people into the cure for dehydration or the rest of our business. 
I love it. It's it's so telling of the service provider that I think we all try to do that where it's like, no, 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 I want to give you everything that you need right now at while you're on the floor and all you can do is think about that glass of water. We're like, but all these great things. <laughs> exactly. But it's just how much we want to serve. But this is a great reminder and a beautiful analogy for people to really analyze what is that A to B or that first step for people? What is that glass of water that's going to get their ideal clients to a place where they can hear all of the other solutions that we have for them and how it's going to transform their life? But it does no good to shout at people all of the cures that we have if they can't even focus on that right now. So I think exactly. the way you describe it is beautiful. It's it's a very it's a very good way to get people thinking about how we provide solutions inside our businesses. So I want to know as we close out here, you've built this beautiful business. What does your day-to-day look like now? Obviously, you have your digital products running in the background. How much of your time is spent working on those? And you've obviously built out your value ladder. You have other ways for people to join and work with you. What do you spend your time on day-to-day? That's a beautiful question. So where I normally spend my time is actually servitude now. So my business is structured in that I deliver a lot of like solutions to the digital products. Then I've got the Content Mastery Club, which has my 12-step end-to-end marketing plan in there. That's all recorded and people work through that at their own pace. And I've got some monthly deliverables that I will deliver every month in that space, as well as my support. Then people come in if they want to like, it's a bit of a mix in my value ladder between digital product to profit, that group course or group coaching, or then one-to-one type coaching. And so basically this front end of my business in delivering my knowledge is basically all done and set on autopilot. And so I'm never Mm. really working in that space anymore. But what I'm doing is I'll wake up in the morning and I'll kind of grab a coffee or go for a walk with Evie, my little puppy, and then we'll come online and I'll kind of just jump into my community spaces. So I'll check my content mastery club. I'll check any of my like group programs that are going on and then I've got a mastermind as well I'll check that and then I touch in with my one-to-one clients and so that's really the work that I try and do first and that's maybe like two to three hours a day on average right there's some days I might spend five hours in my community so some days I open it no one needs me and I'll be like hey guys like you know hope you're having a nice day and leave like it's like you know an hour so I say on average about two to three hours and then I'll take the occasional one-to-one call like I probably have like three or four one-to-one calls a week and I really love doing that work but I also I have my plate full enough with how I want it basically so I don't want to go beyond that so I have a calendar that has like very limited bookings so I'll do that work so I might have like a one-to-one call or something like that and then I'll do some work behind the scenes on the business whatever that might be maybe I'll go and make some more ads maybe I'll go and make some organic content maybe I'll make a new product for a digital funnel or for my content mastery club or create a product that maybe my mastermind needs to drop in there and to be honest with you that's basically it that's what my life looks like is really just in a place of like servitude now which I love that was always my mission was just to like authentically and excessively help women in small business and that's exactly what I get to do every day and of course there's the stuff that goes into maintain a business like that with running the ads or creating, updating products or whatever that might be. And that certainly goes into my business, but that's basically what my day looks like. Wow. And that leads right into what my final question was going to be for you, which is what are your non-negotiables now that everything is up and running? What are those pieces that you have to do in your business on a daily or weekly, or maybe it's even just monthly basis to keep the machine running? 
Yeah, so it really is. My non-negotiables are serving my people and serving myself. So that's the entire way that I have like set now like my North Star. So like how can I serve my people to the best of my ability, but then how can I serve myself as well? So Monday, Fridays, I don't take calls essentially with clients. So I've got like two white space days. And in those days, I'm really working on the business. So what products can I create? Like, you know, can I do new masterclasses for the Content Master Club? What needs to be updated in there? Or even just like, Where's my direction going? What do I want to be doing? What's my balance look like? So that's what I really focus on on those days. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are the days that I have my calls in there. And that's really my non-negotiable is that I keep those to those days. But it is also like my non-negotiable is working smarter, not harder and being accessible. And so that's what I really focus on whenever I'm like, I need to bring this into the world. My first question is, how can I make it passive or semi-passive to serve me and how the hell can I get as much information in here in the clearest way to get people the most outcomes for the lowest price because that's one of my values in business and that's my other non-negotiable is just making these like amazing value for money accessible and like genuinely successful like products that will create people's success and that's really just what I focus on week in week out now. That's fantastic. And I'm just going to brag on you for a little bit because that comes through so strong in every touch point I've had for you. Everybody I know that knows you told me first and foremost, she over delivers in her service and you do it at amazingly accessible price points, which sadly is a little unheard of these days in the online space. I'm not saying no one does it, but you do a phenomenal job of keeping what you do accessible. And I love to hear though that on the other side of that, your second non-negotiable is serving yourself because it can be really easy sometimes to overserve to a place where we're crossing our own boundaries and it's not really beneficial to us at the end of the day, but then we can't really be in service if we're taking too much from our own cup and not filling up. So I love to hear that you have that balance. And I'm so appreciative of you and your time, of you coming on and sharing so transparently and openly with all of us. I think that this is opening up a new avenue for a lot of people in the online space where maybe they wouldn't have considered something like this before or thought that they could make a million dollars in three years off of a product that is $50 or less. So it's truly incredible. And I just want to say thank you again for being such an amazing guest. If people want to connect with you, where is the best place for them to find you? come and hang out with me on either of my social media channels. So This Is Co is where I'm most active. That is my primary business. And then This Is Corinda is that real passion project that I've jumped into to have a space to talk more and support more with this stuff. So come and find me on either of those spaces. That is the perfect place. Slide into my stories, slide into my DMs. I love it. And yeah, that's really where I'm hanging out most of the time. Amazing. Everybody go connect with Corinda online on her socials. As always, we will link those in the show notes for you. Corinda, thank you again. This was phenomenal. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. It has been a pleasure. Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. 
Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. 3853. As soon as you send me over that tax, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this inner circle daily text list. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together. So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.